Hello, and welcome to BJGP Interviews. I'm Nala Khan, and I'm one of the associate editors of the BJGP. Thanks for taking the time today to listen to this podcast. In today's episode, we talk to Dr. Georgia Richards, who is a research fellow in the Centre for Evidence-Based Medicine at the University of Oxford. We're going to talk about the research that she has published alongside first author Isabella Martis, titled The Private Prescribing of Controlled Opioids in England from 2014 to 2021. So thanks, Georgia, for joining us here today. We've had a couple of podcasts recently looking at opioid prescribing in primary care and how it's been affected by GP burnout or how things changed during the COVID pandemic. So I just wanted to start really by finding out a bit more about what you set out to do in this study. Yeah, definitely. So a lot of the work, um, as you alluded to, um, has been focused around the prescribing of opioids in general practice, um, particularly in NHS general practice. Um, But there are other ways that you can access prescriptions. Um, So that is through private prescribing or private prescribers, um, over-the-counter medications. And unfortunately, we're seeing an increase in people accessing opioids online from online pharmacies and the dark web. So although we've got a fairly good understanding now about how opioids are being used in general practice and, and in the NHS, there was quite big gaps in how opioids were being used outside of the, the main um, ways that we think about where opioids are being accessed. Mm, and this is an important area to look at, especially now that, for instance, NICE guidelines have stepped away from recommending opioids for things like chronic pain, for instance. Um, So this was a study using a different data set and you used a freedom of information request strategy. So tell me a bit more about what you did here to get this information in from where. Correct. Yeah. So it's quite a unique uh, source of data. It's quite difficult to get. It's it's virtually impossible. It's not. We proved that it, that it's not impossible, but it's nearly impossible to get data on uh, the private prescribing of any drug. The key here with opioids is that they are controlled. Not all opioids, but most opioids are controlled substances. So because they're controlled substances, this data can be accessed. Uh, what has to be uh, recorded by the government. Um, So we knew that somewhere um, this data definitely was going to be available. Someone was going to have to have record of these prescriptions. Um, And so the only way for us to get that data, unfortunately, was to bother NHS BSA or NHS Business Services Authority um, using a freedom of information request to access that data. And you looked here at registered private prescribers and the rate of controlled opioids dispensed because that's what was captured, I suppose. But what opioids were being prescribed here? So you mentioned about sort of the range of different opioids that you might have captured in this data set. Yeah, so I should say the reason we looked at, so um, I'm an epidemiologist by training, so what we really do want to look at is number of prescriptions per population. But unfortunately, this data, we were only able to look really the first, the first that we looked at was sort of absolute counts. So the number of items that were being prescribed. And then we moved on to looking at a rate by the number of private prescribers. And the reason we did that instead of looking tr- traditionally, we'd look at number of prescribed uh, prescriptions per population is because that 
it's not known how many people in England access private prescribers. So we don't have a good denominator here to really control for. So we had to use number of private prescri- prescribers. So that's sort of a, a preface to, to your question. Yeah, sure. um, so that's the sort of best we could do um, to, to control for, for changes over time. But when we did look at the type of opioids, we interestingly found that uh, methadone was the most common opioid to be um, dispensed privately, which is not what we see when we look at NHS um, prescribing. Um, so we we don't know um, what indications these medications are being used for, um, but we do know that methadone is often used for people that may have um, an opioid addiction and trying to be reducing their opioid use. So we don't know for sure around indication, um, but we definitely saw different types of opioids being accessed privately than we um, do in the in the public sector. So tell me a bit more about what you did find out about the trends for prescribing for these controlled opioids across the time frame of this study, which was 2014 to 2021. Yeah, yeah. So we found that um, when we look at just absolute numbers, this is the, the prescribing trends have halved. Um, so they've reduced um, over the the eight years that we were looking at. When we look at the first, we've got a graph in, in the in the paper, figure one, where you can see these trends. Um, so if we look at between sort of 2014 and 2016, the trends look fairly stable. And then as we see in the in the NHS prescribing data, we see a, a decrease from 2017 onwards. Um, so this follows what we expected in terms of the patterns in NHS prescribing, but we couldn't directly compare the uh privately prescribed data to the NHS prescriptions purely because of that denominator issue. We weren't looking at items per population. Um, If we were, or if we were able to even look at morphine equivalents, we could have compared um, the prescribing by private prescribers to the NHS, but we couldn't do that because of the denominator issue again. Um, So based on sort of able to look at the data and knowing about the NHS prescribing data, we can infer these that the trends are similar, but we can't have an absolute um, certainty in in that direct relationship. You mentioned that you weren't surprised by the fall in prescribing. So tell me a bit about that. Why might trends be falling or why were you not surprised to see this this downward trend? Yeah, the downward trend we were expecting purely from um, what we're seeing in in general practice, and that is the the NICE guidelines, which are trying to um, prevent or trying to recommend against prescribing opioids for chronic pain. Um, But opioids are also used for outside of chronic pain as well. So they're really important medications for cancer pain, trauma, acute pain. But we don't expect private prescribers to be um, prescribing for those sort of acute episodes of pain. Um, So we expect that most people maybe either have chronic pain or have some form of opioid dependence when they're accessing private services. These are all assumptions, um, but we would expect those trends to decrease in terms of uh, moving or following in line with those nice guidance around um, reducing the the use of opioids in people that have chronic pain. And tell us a bit more about an intriguing issue in the data, and that is that some of the doctors were unidentified. What does that mean? Yeah, so this was something we weren't expecting. Um, had to learn a lot about uh, how this data is collected. And interestingly, um, and unfortunately, really, um, this data is collected on paper, on paper prescriptions. So it's not yet electronic like it is in, 
in the NHS standard prescribing. So it is a, a manual data entry type method when how they collect the data. And each uh, prescription should be linked to a prescriber, a prescriber number. And that's why we looked at um, that rate by number of prescriptions. Um, but what we found here when we looked, um, when we tried to look at the geographical variation or how the trends varied across the country, we um, found that just over 400 of these prescriptions couldn't be actually assigned to a geographical area because they weren't assigned to um, a prescriber. And this was important or interesting because there are, if we don't know who's prescribing um, these medications there could be sort of ramifications for patient safety and monitoring around doctor shopping and and this sort of error which can it is quite a problem when we think about um, accessing opioids so there was it was a very small proportion I should say it was less than one percent of mm. the total number of of items that were being dispensed but it is a it is an issue that NHSBSA need to sort of address and this could be where the recommendation around making these controlled drug prescriptions openly available um, and making it more electronic so the data can be looked at further. Any other key findings you want to highlight coming out of this analysis? So I think the other thing that we were, one of our other um, outcomes was looking at geographical. So we're looking, we're interested in quantifying the number of items, looking at trends over time, and then looking at the sort of geographical variation, because we know that in GP, NHS prescribing, it's often um, in the sort of northern and southern areas, in more sort of deprived areas, we see more um, opioids being prescribed. But interestingly for us in this paper, looking at private opioids, we found that three quarters of the prescribing was based in London, which the NHS prescribing is, is there's fewer prescriptions in London than the rest of the country. So we're seeing sort of a flip in the geographical um, variation here. And um, that's important, sort of could be reflect. We do, again, we don't have the answers for this, but that geographical variation where we're focusing on London, maybe because there is just more private prescribers in London, um, people in London may access more private services. They may have more health insurance, which leads to more sort of accessing the sort of private sector there. But we don't know for sure. Um, so I'd say the sort of the flip in the geographical variation is an important um, finding of our work as well. Mm. And one thing you've mentioned is that you'd like this data about private prescribing to be shared more openly. So perhaps similar to open prescribing, the website, you know, where you can just look at prescriptions across the UK. Have you gone back to the NHS Business Services Authority and to see what they think about this? Are they able to offer this data sort of open to any other researchers for analysis? So we haven't yet gone back to NHSBSA to get a response on that. We wanted to get our publication out there in BJGP and send it on to them. <laughs> so hopefully I can come back to you and say, because of your publication, because of publishing in BJGP, we now have led to this big change in access to private data, which could then go on to open prescribing. This is something that, and we have other colleagues on the paper from NHS England who work in the controlled drug um, sort of offices area around um, private prescribing as well. So we sort of um, are talking to the right people, I hope, um, and we hope that it will lead to some sort of change. Um, there are sort of nuances and issues around sort of access to data and and there are it's not as simple as just making it open, but 
open prescribing has showed us that once we do make it open, there can be huge impacts and, and GPs actually use this data and we hope private prescribers would use this data to start monitoring how they're prescribing in relation to the country's median. Um, so we hope that it will have uh, that sort of impact in the coming months to years. These things take time though. Yeah, absolutely. And thinking about the results from this paper, do you have any take-home messages for those working in primary care or private prescribers, as you mentioned, just about their own prescribing behaviours? Yeah, definitely. I think what this is what we really want to raise awareness to here is that um, patients may be accessing opioids and other means outside of their, their local GP practice. So this isn't just private prescribing, but it's also over-the-counter opioids such as codeine, cocodamol. So I think having that conversation with your patients and asking where else they might be accessing their opioids um, could help just improve general patient safety. And then you can start having a discussion about you know, the total dose that they might be using each day with access to other medications and how access accessing opioids from private prescribers and from over the counter maybe implicating their um their pain so i'm um, having just having that more open discussion about there could be other ways that patients are accessing opioids not just from their their um, general practitioner hmm. and perhaps uh, a flag for potentially gps working in london to be aware of this since there seems to be a higher proportion of prescriptions coming from that region exactly yeah Certainly. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great place to wrap things up. But yeah, I just wanted to say thank you very much for joining me here today. You're welcome. And thank you all very much for listening to this podcast. The original research article can be found on bjgp.org and the show notes and podcast audio can be found at bjgplife.com. It's been great to hear from Georgia about something that I haven't really thought about, and that is where patients might be getting alternative prescriptions for opioids. So perhaps good to plant a nugget in the back of our minds, just thinking about where people may be accessing these medications outside of the NHS. Thanks again for your time here and bye.